Uh, so today we're going to kind of put a bow, if you will, you know, no pun intended, on uh, what we've kind of been talking about uh, in Jay's Christmas message uh, about the King is coming, and we've kind of built up. Uh, and this verse just kept going through my mind all four weeks, and uh, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't come up. Um, when we were going to the marriage retreat uh, a few weeks ago, uh, you know, when you're driving, we hit the scan button, right? Well, we'd hit the scan button, and it came to a preacher, and he was, he was preaching out of this, and he was going to preach this message, and I was really excited because I didn't have anything yet. And I was like, well, if I can get this, you know, then I'm going to be. So he was in the middle of his sermon. Well, you know, when you're, you're scanning, then the radio starts cutting out, right? So I still had to do the research because I only got just maybe one point. So uh, unfortunately, you can blame it on the airwaves if this is not what you needed today. So uh, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 9-6. Uh, so the title of the lesson or the message today is What's in a Name? Um, names are important. I believe they have meaning. If you remember, uh, kind of from a biblical perspective, Adam had the privilege of naming all the animals, right? Um, and so Genesis 9, 2, 9 talked about that. It said, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So that was a great privilege that he had. And I, you know, that was one of the two jobs that he had. The first one was to tend the garden. Uh, and be a husbandman. The second one was to name all the animals. He also named his wife Eve after she fell. If you remember, you can kind of study that out. God actually named her woman. Uh, and then he renamed her after the fall uh, and said that she was the mother of all living. So, parents, raise your hands. All right. So you guys can remember the, ag the agonization that you had over picking out names, right? Right? My wife and I, you know, one of the, probably one of the few, well, you know, probably one of the biggest things that we kind of talked about or kind of um, went back and forth about was what we were going to name our first child. Uh, and she had this name, Seth, that she wanted. Uh, it was, his name is Connor Eli. And she had Eli. That's what she wanted. She wanted that for the first name. I was like, I don't want Eli. And that, so we kind of compromised. I had come from a family where you took your name of your father or took your name of your grandfather. And she's not, she's as anti-tradition as, any, as anybody could ever get. But, um, so she automatically told me, you know, my, my, dad, my first name is James. My dad's name is, first name is James. His dad's name, first name was James. She said, we're, she said, we're not doing that. So uh, I said, okay, we're not doing that. So, uh, but I also said, we're not having Eli as the first name. So uh, Connor ended up being his first name. Eli was his middle name. Um, so... For me, Cody, in case you're wondering, means cushion or pillow. Uh, anybody ever? Yeah, exactly. Because I'm so comforting, right? Uh, so you can, has anybody ever researched your name online just to see what it means, right? Yeah, a few of you have. So I'm not the only weird one here. My wife's name, she's got a cool name. Her Nicole means victory, uh, which is cool. Uh, so evidently I'm cushioning her as she goes on to victory in, in our lives together. So, so. All throughout the Bible, the names in the Hebrew and the Greek have, have significant meanings, right? Um, if you think about just a couple examples, Jacob in the Old Testament. Uh, Jacob uh, gripped on to his brother as they were coming out of the womb. Uh, and he was a supplanter, a deceiver. He ended up deceiving his uh, brother for his birthright. His name is later changed to Israel. 
and that means redeemer. Uh, and so he had to kind of work himself up to that title as far as being the redeemer because um, he still had some things that he had to work on in his life. Paul or C- Peter, you think about him, his fir- Simon is his first name. That means shifting sands, if you didn't know. But Peter obviously means rock. And so, you know, his name has changed. So very significant things. And these things kind of throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament for different people, the attributes of these words and these names represent their character attributes or their personality traits. Um, maybe not so much in my case, but in theirs. So, so anyway, well, fortunately for us, it is absolutely the case when it comes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 22.1 says this, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Uh, if you didn't know our, our Lord and Savior's name, uh, in the Hebrew, it means Yeshua, uh, which it means deliverer or Savior, and you can translate that to Joshua as well. Uh, in the Greek, Christ or Christos means anointed one or Messiah. Uh, there's never been a better name chosen than the name. It's no coincidence that we sang that song today. Uh, what a beautiful name. What a powerful name. What a wonderful name that it is. So let's pray. We'll get into the scripture and we'll get started. Dear God, we love you. Uh, we're so thankful you allowed us to be here today. I do pray that as we have a chance to hear your word, uh, that we're just obedient. Uh, please get me out of the way. Uh, there's, nothing, there's nothing good about me. There's nothing worthy or righteous, uh, but you are so worthy and you are so righteous. And I pray for the next few minutes that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher today, that he would be the one that would teach us and just give us the things that we need that we can take out of here uh, as we start a new year uh, to be just on point for you. We love you. We give this time to you. All these things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So Isaiah 9, 6. If you'll go back to that real quick, uh, Walt, since I didn't read that, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Uh, And so when we see this today, we're going to see each one of these names and each one of these attributes uh, really reveals our Lord and Savior and God's true character. So the first point is a name to reverence. Reverence goes in your blank. Uh, and so we think about revering something or, or holding in awe of something. And we're talking about, uh, we sang that song, what a wonderful name that it is. Well, it's because of the awesome and mighty works that he's done in our lives. And, and he exhibits all the attributes of the Father and all the attributes um, that he has done. Exodus fifteen eleven says this. Uh, wonderful kind of is uh, the theme of this. It says, Exodus fifteen eleven, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Uh, Psalm 77, 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. Isaiah 25, 1 says this, O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. You think about somebody, uh, you know, generally speaking, if you've ever written a song, whether it be secular or whether it be, uh, you know, in a religious sense, uh, you would never write a song or have somebody as an inspiration that didn't inspire you, right? Uh, the reason that we sing 
about our Lord and Savior is because of the awesome things that he's done in our lives. If nothing else, it would be for salvation. If nothing else, uh, that he sent his only begotten son to die for us, that we might have eternal life. That's enough. We could sing about that till Jesus comes back. Uh, but it's, he's so much more than that. He's so much more. Uh, and so you're going to see some examples today as we study of people encountering, which and we've throw, we throw this term around a lot, and maybe you're familiar with it, maybe, but pre-incarnate Christ in the Old Testament, it's actually Jesus in a human form revealing himself and his nature to people for God's intended purposes. Uh, Judges 13, 17 through 20 is an example of that. When you, when you look at the birth of Samson in his story, uh, he, his father's name was Manoah. And when you study that out, God actually comes and talks to the wife first. Uh, and then, you know, Manoah's kind of left over on the side saying, what's going on, you know? Um, and finally, the angel of the Lord reveals himself to, God, to Manoah in this. And it says, Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, what is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? And what that means is it, it wasn't his time for that name to be revealed yet. It wasn't time for him to say, well, my name's Jesus. He, that would have meant nothing to him at that time. Uh, and so that's why he said it's secret. And it was a name that couldn't be uttered. So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did, there's that word, wondrously. Uh, and Manoah and his wife looked on, for it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from the, off the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And here's, when you see these examples, you know, people that study the Bible where it says angel, an angel of the Lord, the angel, an angel, um, see the response of the people, how they treat that angel, and the angel's response to those people, how they receive the worship. If they receive the worship or don't receive the worship, that tells you if it's Christ or not. Okay, does that make sense? Uh, Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. And so the key, your first key today, it says the works of the Lord should prompt us to worship and praise. Man, if, if we, I'll be honest, guys, if we've got to come in and, you know, like beating a dead horse every Sunday, you know, to get people to sing, to get people to, to clap, uh, then it's not, there's nothing wrong with Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's not him, it's us. Uh, and that, that starts with me and that starts with every person in here. Uh, man, for what he's done in our lives, if we don't have a song in our heart, then it's our heart that's the problem. It's, it's not Jesus, okay? Uh, it's, it's our heart. Uh, and one thing, I, and I grew up in a traditional church, and I'm, this is not going to be, a, we'll get, I'm, a, I'm the worship leader, so you're going to get this point and we'll move on. So. But I grew up in a traditional church. There was no, we might have seen this maybe once. We had one lady in our church that, you know, she would raise her hand. Uh, and, you know, you'd look around and say, hmm, okay, well, that's cool. You know, there wasn't, there, wasn't, there wasn't any clapping. There wasn't, you know, the, we didn't stand when we sang. You know, we, sang, we, sang, we maybe we sang one song, okay, now you can sit down. You know, stand up, sit down, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, it's okay. It's all, we're all good here. But I'm telling you, whether it's a hymn, a psalm, or a spiritual song, as it says uh, in, the, in the Bible, we ought to be able to sing it. If it's biblically accurate, we ought to be able to sing it. Uh, if it's about Jesus, we ought to be able to sing it. Revelation 15, 2 and 4 says this. The reason I said that is to say this. We're going to have to sing in eternity. 
whether you sing or you don't sing, you better get your voice warmed up because it's going to happen. Uh, and, as I, and I saw, as it were, a sea of glass mingled with fire, and them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image uh, and over his mark and over the number of his name stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and sing and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty. This is speaking of Jesus. Just and true are thy, way, thy, thy ways, thou King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments are made manifest. So what you're going to see as we go through this, that all the attributes of the Father apply to the attributes of the Son. Uh, and so just keep that in mind as we kind of roll through some of these names that we're looking at. The next thing we're going to look at is number two, a name to regard. Uh, letter R's for today, just like Colin did in Sunday school. We didn't plan that, so we're, we, you know, uh, letter R's for your words today. So, and the name to regard means to heed, to listen to. Uh, so my point, what are we listening to today? What do we pay heed to? What influences us? Uh, what, you know, is it, is it the daily blog? Is it, uh, you know, whatever we read on uh, the Internet? Or is it this? Uh, you know, what is our counselor? So it says that uh, counselor is the word, and it said that his name shall be called counselor. And so what do we, what, what is, who is our counselor today? Uh, my point being uh, counselor, if you can think of another term for that, is testimonies. Uh, another term that you can think of from testimonies is the word of God. Uh, Job twelve thirteen says this, with him... Is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. Psalm thirty three eleven. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart uh, to all generations. Psalm one nineteen twenty four. Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. You know, and some people when you read through uh, the Psalms and you know you see what some of the things that David did. I actually had this conversation uh, last week. Uh, with a guy here, we were talking about kind of rolling through some of this. You know, David had a lot of problems, you know. But David had one thing. He had the heart of God. He had a heart after God's word. Uh, in Psalm 119, it doesn't talk about his love for God. It talks about his love for God's word. Uh, and that had God's attention. Uh, and so if you want God's attention, if you want to have the blessings of God, if you want to have... Uh, the influence of God in your life, well, here it is. Learn to love this book. You know, I don't like to read. I don't like to read either. You know, you can ask my wife, Did you, have you read this book? No. You know, whatever book, you know, have you read this? No. Well, I was the guy in school that if they asked us to read a book, I went and got the cliff notes. You know, and if you're, if, if you're guilty, don't raise your hand. My son's in here, so I'm, I'm revealing some of these things to him. But I'll tell you what, when... I learn to love this book, then I learn to love God. I was saved a long time, but when I learned, it, learned to love His Word, it changed everything for me. It really did, and it'll change everything for you. Uh, Psalm 11, or Isaiah eleven one and two says this: "And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch capital." Um, shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. 
Isaiah 28, 29, This also cometh forth from the Lord of hosts, which is wonderful in counsel and excellent in working. So your next key, uh, the name of Jesus should be the first name we call on when we need counsel or advice, not the last. Not your best friend. Not your husband or your wife. Not your son, not your daughter. Not whoever's latest thing is on, you know, Facebook. Not the commentary, fill in your blank. This is your counsel. Now, the Bible also says that in the multitude of counselors there's safety, right? So that's when after you've consulted this word, then you start going to your brothers and sisters in Christ saying, well, what do you think about this? Here's what God's word says, you know. How do I apply this? You know, and that's where discipleship comes in, folks. Uh, it really does. You know, once we see what God's word says, then how do we? It's easy to say, "Well, just do that." Well, sometimes that's easier said than done. You know, uh, and so how do we take that? That's where really where the, whoever's discipling you, your pastor, uh, whoever your teacher is. And, and if they don't line up what this word says, then guess what? You find somebody else. Uh, and whether that be me or whether it be anybody else in this church. If it's not, thus saith the Lord, uh, it's not about a position. It's not about, you know, how much money they give to the church or if they're a deacon or a pastor. Uh, they better line up with thus saith the Lord. Uh, and so, you know, Colin mentioned this in Sunday school. It said, Revelation nineteen twelve and 13, His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written, a name written, <coughs> excuse me, that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Um, he's, it's a wonderful counselor. You know, and, and the Word of God should be our authority in all areas of life, folks. It really should, and I'll tell you why. Because after the Internet falls, after the commentary books are, you know, are gone, after... Your counselor passes away after your wife or husband passes away, after your daughters or your sons, sisters, brothers, whoever. This is going to be eternal. You know, Psalm 119.89 says that thy word forever is settled in heaven. It is. Uh, there's only a few things that are eternal in this life. It's, it's the word of God and the souls of men. Uh, that's what we should be concentrating on. Uh, and it will stand because it's true and it's eternal. Number three. Uh, a name to respect. You know, it's kind of like when, uh, if you remember when I was a kid, it was uh, when, it, if E. of Hutton talks, people listen. Y'all remember that commercial? Yeah, I'm, I'm revealing my age here for some of us older, uh, older or more aged people, I would say. And I always wonder when I was watching that, I'd say, well, where's this E. of Hutton guy? I need to talk to him. You know, never met E.F. Hutton because I found out later that E.F. Hutton was a financial advisor. Uh, and so uh, I could have used E.F. Hutton in some, in some of my uh, misgivings about money. But uh, the next thing is named respect, and it's the mighty God. Mighty goes in your blank there if it's uh, respect was, I think. But mighty God's in quotations. Deuteronomy ten seventeen says this, For the Lord, your God, is God of God's little g, and Lord, capital L, of little l, lords, a great God, a mighty, and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, 
nor taketh reward. Jeremiah 32, 18-19 says this, Thou showing loving kindness unto, show us the loving kindness unto thousands, and recompenses the, say that three times fast, recompenses the iniquity of the fathers into the bosom of their children after them. The great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts, hang on to that, is his name. Great in counsel, there it is, and mighty in work. For thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. And what's interesting about this when you start studying this out is it's kind of like it starts building on each other. Uh, you know, when you start building it out, first of all, uh, that he is wonderful and then that he is a counselor and now he's the mighty God. And it's just kind of adding to each name as you see that. Uh, Psalm 24, 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Uh, I was, you know, Jay really took a, a different spin on Christmas, I thought, this year, and really did a good job um, kind, of fle- kind of fleshing that out, because we do want to see the babe in the manger, right? We, that's, you know, um, we had a, a Christmas Eve service over this past week, and, you know, we're here singing Silent Night, and it's all peaceful, and, uh, you know, and as we're singing that, I'm thinking, my Lord's a conqueror, you know, uh, he's coming, with 10,000 of his saints as a conqueror. Uh, as Isaiah 42, 13, The Lord shall go forth as a mighty man. He shall stir up jealousy like a man of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. And you may be thinking, well, that's, that's talking about God the Father. No, it's talking about God the Son. And I'm going to show that to you. Again, another example of a pre-incarnate Christ, Joshua 5, 13 through 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him. You know, if it me, Joshua was a lot more brave than I would have been. I would have been hiding in a ditch. Uh, Joshua went up to him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? Uh, And this is the answer from the man that stood with the sword in his hand. He said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am am I now come? Here's the response. Again, to tell you this is Jesus as pre-incarnate Christ. Joshua didn't say, oh, that's cool. Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Again, it's the same thing uh, that the burning bush told Moses. uh, I am. You know, the place that you're standing on is holy ground. Take off your shoes, Moses. Uh, That's in the sand mountain terms that I grew up in. But anyway, uh, Revelation 19, 14 through 16. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So your next key, one day in the near future... Jesus himself will lead the armies of God. And from that day forward, his name will never be blasphemed again. They won't be, they won't be able to, folks. Uh, man, it's gonna, I can't, 
I can't imagine how that's going to play out. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says this, Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and have given him, or you could say chosen a name for him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, or things in, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That day is coming, folks. That day is coming. Uh, and you may, you may say, you know, well, I'll never, if you're not saved, I'll never bow to anybody. You will. We all will. Uh, whether we want to or not, there won't, we won't be able to stand in that day, uh, regardless of whether we believe in him or don't. Uh, we'll all believe that day, I can promise you. Uh, every, every person on this planet, alive, dead, has ever lived, will be a believer on that day. Uh, unfortunately, for some, it may be too late. Number four, a name of restoration. I could have put restoration or reconciliation. You know, you can if you like one better than the other, that's fine. Uh, but the next thing is he's the everlasting father. And this is where it's going to, you know, some of you are going to say, well, they're different. Yeah, and they're the same. First John 5, 7 says this, that uh, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. So they're one and they're three. Figure that one out. Uh, so, you know, in Genesis, when it talks about uh, the creation, God is making everything, and uh, it's actually Jesus doing, doing the speaking, um, if you study that out. It said, God said, let us make man in our image. So that means that it was plural. There was more than one. Uh, so the, the names of the Father attribute to the names of the Son. The, when you st- when you, I'm not a big Hebrew, Greek guy, but when these, in this text that we're looking at today, the same names that are given to God are the names that are given to Jesus. It's the same, you know, it's the same name. Uh, Revelation 1.8 says this. When he's speaking, Jesus is speaking to the seven angels of the seven churches. I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come. The Almighty. So he's saying right there, I'm God. I'm God. I've been here from the beginning. Same chapter. Saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Unto Ephesus, unto Smyrna, Pergamos, unto Thyatira, unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Revelation 22, at the end of the book. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Um, So, they're the same. They're the same. And they're different. And they're the same. Colossians 1, 15-17, speaking of Jesus, says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him, Jesus, were all things created that are in heaven and are in earth, visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. John ten thirty. if you couldn't get any plainer, you know, I and my Father are one. But wait a minute. It, you're one. You know, that would have been for me, you know, coming from, and I'm not a smart guy. Uh, oh, okay. I'll just believe that. You know, we, we, I believe we try to make things so complicated in, in Christianity, or, you know, if you want to use that term, or being a follower of Christ. If it says it, 
Just follow that and believe it. It's, I mean, it's really easy. We make it so complicated because we're so smart, you know. Uh, or maybe it's just me that has that attitude. I don't know. Um, we were talking about that this week. Um, you know, as, as I got older, I, I used to think my parents were the dumbest people on the planet, you know, as I was, when I was young. <laughs> I didn't say that to their face, of course. But, uh, man, when I got older, I started figuring out, they had some things figured out, you know. Uh, man, I wish I had been a little bit more attentive. And that's what I'd say to my son as he, you know, gets into the teenage years. I'm going to become the stupidest person on the planet in just a few years if I'm not already. But fight that. You know, fight that with everything that you have. Uh, Romans 8.15. Uh, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 6 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, um, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Here it is, having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his Father, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Next key, because Jesus is God, he has the same love for us that the Father has. That's why he, you can say, you know, without hesitation, that he is the everlasting Father. Psalm 68.5 says, A father of the fatherless and a judge of the widows is God in his holy habitation. You know, if you're not convinced, Hebrews 9.12 talks about that God shedding his own blood. Uh, well, God wasn't on that cross. Yes, he was. That was his blood that he was shedding. You know, Jesus is God. Get over it. You know, uh, last point, name of rest. Sorry, Colin, that may not be seasoned with salt like you were talking about in Sunday school this morning, but... Uh, we'll have some. We'll have that in a minute too. So, verse uh, chat, not, point number five: a name of rest. Uh, he's said it. Who would be called the Prince of Peace? And there's three things that I, I believe that we need to see from this, uh, kind of breaking down this peace thing. Uh, there's three places, or three, one place, and then two pe- two people groups that we need to kind of figure out where we need to have peace with. The first place is peace on earth. And I know what you're saying. I know what the verse says because I'm fixing to quote it. It's peace on earth, not yet. Okay? Uh, Luke 2, 13 and 14 says this, And suddenly there was with the angel to the angel and multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We had that in our uh, the children's skit. It doesn't say peace on earth. It says on earth peace. That means Jesus was peace, and he was residing on this earth at that time. There were still wars going on. There were still there were people trying to kill him, you know, every day. He, I, he probably didn't think it was too peaceful, you know. Uh, there's still wars going on. There's still people fighting. Um, but one day, when he comes back to this planet, peace, there will be on earth peace, and there will be peace on earth. Because, uh, again, there's not going to be anybody standing against him. Isaiah 2, 4. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift, a sword, lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, 
there shall be no end. Doesn't mean it's that didn't happen yet upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Uh, Zechariah 9, 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea and from the river even to the ends of the earth. Uh, and there's one more. Micah 2 5 says this But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. Whose goings forth shall be from old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up until the time that he, she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall abide, and for now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. And this man shall be the peace. When the Assyrian, this talking, referring to the Antichrist, shall come into our land, and when he shall tread in our palaces, then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. So, you know, during the tribulation, and when the man of Assyria, when the Antichrist comes on the scene, at the end of that, the one that's going to establish peace is when Jesus puts down his feet on the Mount of Olives. Uh, and that's when it's, there's going to be peace on this earth. Uh, not until then. Uh, Haggai says this, The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. So that day's coming too, folks. Uh, you know, we saw, for you people that study the, the signs of the times, you know, the Russians have the new hypersonic missile they just come out with or tested. And you've got Kim Jong-un saying he's going to, Send a Christmas gift to us. and all. I mean, it's, it's going to keep going on. till we're raptured out of here until that seven-year period takes place, there's always going to be fighting. It's just the way of the world. till the way of the world changes uh, because of Jesus Christ. Next thing is two more points to this and we'll be finished. It says uh, he's the prince of peace, but peace on earth, but also peace with men. And this is something that you can have now. Um, yeah, uh, Psalm thirty four fourteen. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace, and pursue it. Now, I had uh, there were some guys I grew up with. They were always looking for trouble. They were the, they didn't seek any kind of peace. It was if you knew you were with them, then you knew were, something's going to happen. Uh, that's they were just stirring up trouble. And maybe hopefully you're not that person. Uh, but a lot of times, to find trouble, you got to seek it. You know, uh, to find. You know, unrest and uh, quarreling and and you got somebody you got to participate. I'm just saying, so Mark nine fifty. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness or its saltness, excuse me, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and peace one with another. Uh, Romans twelve eighteen says this: If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. I don't know about you guys, but I just don't have time. You know, I don't have the energy to argue. I don't have, you know, I don't, I don't seek it out. Uh, I got bigger things going on. Uh, if, and if your day consists of getting on the Internet and arguing with people, turn off the Internet. You know, start reading your Bible. You know, that'd be a great way to ap- apply your time. Uh, last thing, uh, we have peace with men, but we can only do that when we have peace with God.
Romans 5.10 says this, For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Um, Do you realize, and I hope you do if you're saved, God loved you so much that he shed his own blood and killed his own son to reconcile you and me back to him. When he looked at us and saw nothing that was pleasurable, when he looked at us and saw nothing that was pleasing, when he only saw was iniquity and wickedness, he took the best thing that he had and gave it for each one of us. That's how much God thought of you. Yeah. That's how much God thought of me. And that's the only way you're going to have peace with him. Uh, there's no other way. Acts 4.12 says this, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You know, it is a, it's a slap in God's face when you tell him there's another way to get to him other than his son. No, there's not. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh from the Father except by me. There's, you're not going to get there by your good works. You're not going to get by, there by who your daddy is. You're not going to get there by uh, any other thing other than Jesus Christ. And that goes for me. That goes for you. That goes for our president. That goes for the leader of Russia. That goes for any man or woman that has ever lived. Uh, the only way to God is through his son. Um, and he can be our peace. That's the only way we can be reconciled to him. Ephesians 2, 13 and 15. But now in Christ, Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And what Paul is talking about here is the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles together as one man. One, one branch or one tree, one olive tree, if you will, uh, and putting them together and reconciling both, nation, both people groups to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, that's why Paul had, or Peter had such a hard time, you know, preaching to the Gent, you know, thinking, thinking about, oh, i got to preach to the Gentiles? What? You know, they're the rottenest people on the planet, you know. Uh, and so that's why it was so hard for some of these guys to go to church with each other. Uh, but the only way they could kind of coexist is through Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit more of that in just a second. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him I say whether it be things in earth or things in heaven um, that was the whole point of what he did on the cross of Calvary folks to bring all of us back to that place not physically yet but spiritually that Adam and Eve had with them in the garden uh, to make us the sons and daughters of God uh, and that was the only way it could be done Matthew one twenty three says this, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And when you think about this, 
yeah, I get God in the form of Jesus was on the planet. But for us, from an application standpoint, God is within us. Can you... What? The creator, maker, sustainer of this universe, if Colossians talks about that was a mystery, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is within us. That's the only way, you, you know, people... I'm not saying stop taking your medicine. I'm not saying stop going to doctors. Uh, but there's a peace that we can have because Jesus Christ is within us. Uh, and that should be, again, the first place that we go to where, when we're having anxiety, where we're having um, you know, stress, dealing with the issues of life. You, know, you can take your pill later. Why don't you start praying? You, know, you can make your doctor's appointment later. Why don't you talk to Jesus first? Uh, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Um, and then your last point. Peace in any aspect of your life is only available through the person of Jesus Christ. It's not your doctor. It's not your uh, spouse. It's not your 401K. It's not, you know... None of those things are going to give you the peace that Jesus Christ can give you. You know, um, I'm just saying. Yeah, I think we're looking for uh, some help in maybe all the wrong places sometimes. And uh, I, re I really feel like that, and because God's word says that everything that we need is here, uh, but we have to reconcile ourselves to the fact that it's here, and it's not something that. You know, because this is work, right? Yeah. This is work. Uh, and so we, we want to take the easy route. So, you know, I want you to close your eyes and just kind of reflect for just a few minutes. Colin, if you'll go ahead and come up. Uh, just a few questions. You know, I'd ask you personally, you know, each one of you, you know, have you personally called on the name of Jesus to save you from your sins? You know, it's not enough to know his name. To know the attributes of His name, to read, you know, to know what the Bible says, uh, the the angels knew about Him; uh, they they recognized who He was. Uh, do we have a personal relationship with Him? Um, do we really know, without a shadow of a doubt, that we're saved? Uh, you know, that would be my first question. Second question: If we have done that, man, that's great. Praise the Lord. But will we are saved? We're more like Jesus now. Than from the day we got saved, you know, has there been growth, or has there been, you know, I got my fire insurance, and then there's never been a following, there's never been, you know, discipleship, there's never been where, you know, we've taken up our cross and followed Him, you know, and if we are saved today, but we find ourselves not at peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, with our spouse our boss, or maybe we don't even have peace within ourselves. You know, you know, for us, I believe we need to start, you know, 2020, you know, with this renewed desire to rely on Jesus in all aspects of our lives. Um, you know, that's the only way we're, we're going to be at peace with all these people groups, uh, and it's the only way that we can have peace with God. Uh, let's pray. You will go ahead and stand. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I'm so thankful today that, uh, that you've given us your word. I do pray that...